to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them, including a special series with narrator Shane East. The Audiobook Lovin' Podcast is brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Thrilled to have author Lisa Becker with us today. Welcome to Audiobook Lovin', Lisa. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing great and just really tickled to be here. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, catch all the listeners on the story and how we um, met um, a little in a little bit. But why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started as an author. Sure. Well, I like to say that I'm a romance writer that spends her time like she spends her money on books and margaritas. Um, And I started writing about nine years ago. Um, I was inspired by the story of how I met my husband online. I started writing down funny stories of things that happened to me with online dating and stories from friends. And this novel just emerged and I self-published really more out of fun for anything and slowly started to build a following of readers and people who were interested in hearing more stories from me and more about my imaginary friends and now I've got my eighth novel that just came out this week. Yes, it did. And uh, we'll be discussing that one as well. So you and I met a few years ago, actually, when you first wrote the first book, which is called a Click, A Love Story. I got it for a review when I was reviewing for another blog uh, before I even started my own. And it was so cute and interesting because even how it was written was different. So why don't you tell us a little about, about that, that first book? Sure. Well, the story is, I guess, a modern epistolary novel. It's told entirely in emails. Um, And it's about a woman who is searching for the one through online dating and sort of the hilarious experiences that she has interacting with these various dates and how she shares those with her group of friends. Um, And I'm so thrilled that you enjoyed it. It turned into a trilogy. Um, It's not available for sale right now. Um, It's been pulled from the market for a little while so I can focus my energies on some of my more current books and things that might seem a little more modern. As much as I think people had fun with the format, it seems a little dated only because I don't think people necessarily communicate that often via email anymore. And so I'm kind of focusing a little bit more on more of my traditionally written books. But they're all love stories. They all have a happily ever after. Um, and I'd like to say that they're written for anybody who's ever you know, had a bad date or been dumped or been in love or is still kind of searching for the one. And you focus mostly on the contemporary romance. What is it about this genre that you love so much? Um, I think I just enjoy kind of looking at the possibility of love in a realistic way. And so for me, that means contemporary. Um, I'm personally a contemporary romance reader and I enjoy those types of stories. And so I kind of write the stories that I myself would wanna read. And that's why I focused on that genre. Do you find that there is a common theme in your books? even though they're not officially connected or anything like I know some writers do like a a cafe that it's like Harry Potter. It moves wherever the book is placed. Or some people will do a specific kind of a job or even a type of heroine. You know, I think that what they probably all have in common is that they are, I think, realistic in the sense that there are real people with flaws and interesting quirks and characteristics. 
um, that they all have um, a group of friends that are people that you'd really want to know and hang out with. I've tried whenever possible to weave little or leave little Easter eggs, as they call them, in various books. So, for example, in The Subway Girl, there's a scene where Ryan is talking about going back to the office and putting some music on so that he can get some work done. And the music he's listening to is from the band that's in the book Starfish. Um, and I think another example, if I'm thinking, remembering correctly, I think in Lynx, um, there's a scene where she's talking about something with her handbag, and she mentions that it's a Clutch brand handbag, and that's from the book Clutch. So there's sort of little hints and drops in each of the books that kind of reference other books, but other than that, they really aren't um, connected, except for Starfish is a series. There's a spin-off novella about one of the guys in the band, and then there's a new novella that will probably come out sometime late this year, early next year, which is a, a similar spin-off, but about a different band member. Bands are always interesting. Everybody kind of gets to know each other, and as a listener and as a reader, there's always that moment where we're like, oh, that second character, you know, when you fall in love with them, <laughs> and we're like, we want more. I think people have kind of indicated that they wanted more. Um, and I was really obviously thrilled to hear that because it's always really gratifying to write characters and then people connect with them and, and have an interest in them. So in Starfish, um, the main male character is sort of a reluctant rock star who's really not interested in making music or being involved in that lifestyle but has other reasons for being in the band. Um, but then there are some band members that really love that sort of rock and roll lifestyle. Uh, we've got another band member who is complete practical joker, who's constantly pranking the other members. And I'm working on his story now. So that one has a lot of humor in it and a, some practical jokes, but it's really fun to kind of delve into why is he this way? What is the backstory of Oliver? that made him the practical joker that he is. And my hope is that when people read it, it tugs on their heartstrings a little bit because it is sort of a sad story of why he plays the clown. And um, I think people who have read Starfish will hopefully enjoy that. Yeah, I think that when we fall for those secondary char characters and we see them as the character of that main book is seeing them, the, the clown or the slacker or the, the reliable friend and stuff like that. And then to see it from their own perspective and POV. And I love it when the authors take the time to do that when possible and when they can, of course. It is fun to revisit those characters. And I've tried to have Marin and Brad, who are the main characters in Starfish, make visits quick visits in these other novellas that you can kind of see how their relationship has progressed and make sure that they're still having a, a happily ever after. Do you, you said that you had self-published initially. Are you still self-publishing? I am. I was with a small press publisher for a while and it really just wasn't a great experience for me. Um, we just had a different um, idea of sort of quality of products and uh, a different style of communicating with one another that made it just didn't meet my expectations. That's probably mm -hmm. the nice way to put it. And so <laughs> I um, I chose to, to move away from that. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think like most writers, it would be fantastic to have a big publisher and a marketing behind me. Um, but that just hasn't been my path so far. And that's not to say it might not happen in the future. But right now, I'm just really grateful that technology and uh, the 
whatever is available in these modern times enable people who have stories to be able to tell them and to share them with the people who are interested in them. So I'm always grateful that readers are willing to take a risk on an indie author um, and hope that um, they have good experiences with that because there are a lot of really talented writers out there that, um, that deserve an audience that might just not have one because they don't have a big publisher behind them. Yeah, I think there's a, maybe years ago, the conception of needing to have a big publishing house to be able to get published, period. And then when we started with a lot of with the indie authors, there was that whole like, oh, you can do one or the other. And there's also uh, people tend to confuse that just because you have a big publishing house that you're going to get all this marketing and stuff that sometimes happens if you're lucky, but most of the time it does not. Um, so <laughs> it's one of those where I think that from an indie author perspective, you guys have an upper hand because you control it all. You get to pick your book covers. You get to pick, you know, your uh, release dates, your marketing stuff, where you want to be as far as events or tours stuff goes. That is true. I mean, that's definitely one of the upsides is sort of being able to control your own destiny. Um, on the flip side, there's, you know, you're just, you're ultimately responsible for everything. So, you know, when I have a, somebody who's, you know, I've had somebody who said something like, um, uh, that they wanted to get a paperback as a, a, a paperback arc from me and that they weren't able to get one within a certain amount of time. And I thought, well, you know, I actually have to go to the post office and mail those. And I actually have to be the one to purchase the books and the mailing labels and take care you know, everything falls and rests on my shoulders. And so indie authors, I feel like have, I have a lot of respect for because we are publishers, marketers, writers, um, we are our own uh, personal assistants. Yeah. <laughs> we do literally everything, um, not only from a workload standpoint, but from a financial standpoint. It all comes from us. And so um, I just, again, I'm always very grateful when people give indie authors a chance and then hopefully like their work. If you do, please write a review, tell your friends, um, because that's how indie authors can continue to share stories is because they at least have somewhat of a return on the time and, and financial investment that they've made. You have a very cute, pretty covers. That's one of the things that first caught my eye for Starfish was the cover itself. I love blue. Blue is my favorite color and how that pops and also the name. And it was just such Again, the, the the couple sitting down with the guitar. Yeah, it was so cute. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, this this is a just, I think, a perfect example of really what the book is about um, and their relationship with one another and their body language towards one another. It just seems to really fit the story. So I'm glad that you're happy with it. Oh, yeah. No, it's the same thing with like uh, Dear Future Self, which was the novella that you were talking about. And even Clutch, the colors are bright and everything. Definitely, totally eye-catching. The other thing too that I love about the stuff that you've been doing lately is that you now have audiobooks. Yes. Audible is saying that you currently have three out. That's correct. Um, the fourth audiobook that I have is uh, with Audible right now. The files are under review to be submitted or to be uploaded to make it available. And that's for the Subway Girl, which is the book I just released this past week. Um, it's about a hopeless romantic and a cynical news producer who team up to find Ryan's misconnection on a New York subway. And the story was inspired by a real story that I saw on one of the national morning shows.
shows like the Today Show many, many years ago. And um, I'm super excited that Erin Mallon uh, is narrating this one. She does a terrific job with all the different voices. It's got quite a large cast of kind of zany characters and friends and coworkers and villains. And she manages to do a terrific job capturing them all. You know, Erin is fantastic. I love her. She is extremely talented, but she also brings such a depth to the characters and, and whether it's the, the lead main characters or if it's a, you know, secondary character, you just are like, Oh yeah. And she can relate to them and make you kind of feel like you're best friends with them on top of what the author has already done by creating the words. Um, her performance is always phenomenal. So I'm happy that she was, I didn't, if Audible's not showing it right now, unfortunately. And that goes back to the idea of being an indie author. You know, large publication publishers and, and big name authors are able to do pre-orders on Audible and have their books listed ahead of, of their release date. They're actually able to select a release date. And indie authors like me are sort of at the mercy of Audible. We submit our files and when they approve them, they, they are available for sale. So, you know, that's one of the drawbacks, again, of being an indie author, but um, I'm super excited that this one's going to be out, hopefully within the next few weeks. What made you decide to have your titles be in audio format? You know, I'm sort of in an enviable position because I get to enjoy and experience audiobooks as both an author and a listener. And I love the idea as an author that I can share my stories with an audience that might not have had access to them in just the written form, whether they are not accessible, whether they, from a time perspective, they choose to listen rather than read with their eyes. Um, so it really, for me, is just a great way to expand my reach. And then as a listener, I myself enjoy audiobooks, and so it's really a, a thrill for me to be able to um, hear them brought to life in a way that the words alone on a page can't do. Do you listen to your own books once they're in audio? Because I know you have to go through the proofing process. I do go through the proofing process, and I listen to them several times. By the time they are actually available, I'm probably so sick of these characters. <laughs> I think I don't even want to listen to you and hear about you anymore. Um, so I do need I do need to give it a little time, and then I do go back and, and listen to them um, and to try to enjoy them. I think because, like most writers, I'm plagued by self doubt and <laughs> um, things of that nature. When I do listen to them or even read them again, I go back and I think, oh, I, I could have done this better. I should have done this. I would change that now if I could. So I try to give a little bit of time and then just try to enjoy them as a listener and a reader as opposed to being critical of them, which is, is difficult to do. Yeah, well, I know some authors don't even listen to the proofing part of the book. They give it to somebody else because they're like, I don't want to hear me. Well, at some point you, you realize it's too late to change anything. So we're just going to have to go with it the best we can. And sometimes, uh, what is that expression? Uh, good or perfect is the enemy of good and nothing will ever be perfect. And so sometimes we just have to let things go and appreciate for what we have um, and move from there. Were you part of the casting process for all of the audiobooks, or do you have, when you were working with Audible, do they give you like, hey, give us your top three for an example, or how does that work for you? Well, being an indie author, um, I am in complete control of casting, which was really a lot of fun. The first audiobook I did was Clutch, 
And I was so thrilled to work via uh, Audible with Suzanne Barbetta, who is an incredibly talented actress and voice actress based in New York. And what I think she's done an incredible job in this book is she's brought to life a really wide range of characters. So the book is about a handbag designer who compares each of her different romantic relationships to a different style of handbag. So she dates the hobo or the slacker artist, and that's huh. the hobo bag. She dates yep. the diaper bag, who's the single dad. She dates the fanny pack, who's the guy with the butt fetish. Um, and all along, and it's got a lot of humor in it, and all along she's searching for the clutch or the one that she wants to hold on to. And Suzanne did an amazing job of bringing a lot of warmth and sincerity to the main character and then creating a distinct voice for each of these different men that she dates um, as she's searching for, you know, the right fit for her. And um, so I, I think she's just an amazing, amazing talent. Um, who just might not have a huge following in the romance genre compared to some of the other names that I see around a lot, but she's really phenomenal. Uh, and then the next audiobook that I did was Starfish, and I was really fortunate that Aaron Mallon had signed on. And as I was writing the book and I was imagining in my head the voice uh, for Brad, I kept coming back to the unicorn himself, Sebastian York, and was again very flattered that he also agreed to narrate. So it's the two of them co-narrating this dual point of view book. And I was at a um, book event called Love and Queen Mary yes. earlier this year. And I was so fortunate to be befriended by Tim Page and Kelsey Navarro who were hanging out uh, the night before the event and took pity on an author who really didn't know anybody there and let me sort of hang out with them and laugh. And uh, Dear Future Self was set to come out as an ebook novella. And I just happened to be chatting with Tim via Facebook and said, oh, you know, we'd love to work with you at some point. I have this little story. Are you even interested? And he and Kelsey signed on. And it's really just a lot of fun. They do a fantastic job. Uh, of narrating. He, he's really got the rock star thing down. Oh, yeah. And Kelsey has a, just a small appearance. She does the epilogue from Cammie's point of view. Um, and I think it, that adds a lot of um, just warmth and uh, just an extra little touch to the story that you get to see things from her perspective, because the book is primarily from Jace Connors, the lead singer from the band, from his point of view. And then when it came time for the Subway Girl, I just kept coming back to, I really can't think of anybody that could do a better job than Aaron, um, not only with the main character, Angie, but nobody does a better male, growly, sexy voice than Aaron <laughs> Mallon. And so I knew that she would be able to take this third person point of view book and kind of create a unique voice for each of the characters, male and female. Tim and Kelsey are a phenomenal duel when it comes down to narrating. And as, as people, I've not met them in person, but have done a lot of things virtually, chatting and even this podcast uh, with them. And they are so much fun. Definitely someone that if we were, uh, when we go back to doing events, that <laughs> I would love to just say, hey, let's go get a drink and just hang out with. They're so they much were fun. so much fun to hang out with. They had me in stitches. I really was very flattered that they were willing to take on my project. And I think they did a great job. I really enjoyed working with them. Yeah. And Tim is actually a, a romance fan. He actually listens and reads romance. So that's, he's another unicorn in my eyes, as far as individuals. Um, 
And you got me thinking about comparing the guys that we date to our bags. And I'm going, I have this side bag. I wonder how that would be for the husband. How? <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting about Clutch, the book, the entire concept for this story was inspired by an episode of NCIS. There was a character that was talking about someone and referred to him as a handbag husband or something useless that you hang on your arm. Oh. And I had the episode on in the background while I was writing something else. And I thought, huh, men are kind of like handbags. That's really interesting. And that's where the whole idea for the book came from. So thank you, Mark Harmon, yeah. <laughs> for inspiring an entire romance novel. I'm sure he's inspired many romance novels because he's a silver fox. Yeah. But he certainly inspired <laughs> this one. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's, we can relate to things as far as, you know, our lives. You know, some people write about being a chef because they love to the food or the baking and stuff like that. Or I know some people write the technology side because they fancy that I'm going, that's math and I have allergies, but, uh, and I'm the girl that is more about comfy than anything when it comes down to bags. So I've had to grow into liking different kinds of bags. So I, I have the code for clutch. So I'm going to start listening to it as soon as I'm done with the other two that I have to review. The audiobook that I'm listening to is the memoir by Retta. Uh, it's called so close to being the shit y'all don't even know. And if you don't know who Retta is, she's an actor and comedian, and she was probably is best known for playing Donna on Parks and Rec, mm. the TV show. But she's hilarious and amazing, and I'm thoroughly enjoyed listening to her. But she has an entire chapter about her love of designer handbags. And so I'm putting it out there in the universe that Retta if you're out there, if you hear this, if it gets back to you, I would love to take this book and turn it into a TV series with you. <laughs> that would so, be fun. Universe, let's make that happen. happen. <laughs> yes, yes. I hope she does get to hear that. It's cool. I love seeing the more popularity of having the books as TV shows or series or now movies. There's a lot of contemporary romances. I have a list. I'm like, if they could only make these into movies. I'm like, Netflix. <laughs> Well, you know, with the advent of all the different streaming services, there's really more opportunity for productions to take books. And that's really my dream is to have something that I've written be turned into a movie or a TV show. So again, universe, let's yeah. put it out there and let's <laughs> see if we can make that happen. Do a vision board for start figuring out who you want to get cast for the lead. Oh, I have <laughs> thought about it a lot. And I, and I used to joke, I'm used to joke that for, especially for Clutch, I really don't know who Mike, that's the main character. The main character is Caroline. She's the handbag designer, but her best friend's name is Mike and he owns a bar and he's kind of been through with her through all the challenges of her dating. Um, and I say, I, I really don't know who would play him, but I really want to be at the casting for it. That could be fun. I think that would be a lot of fun. So how do you go about casting the narrators for these roles in your book? Do you listen to samples? Did you already have some people in mind? What made you think, oh, Sebastian, besides the fact that it's Sebastian, but still. <laughs> you know, I think for different books, it was a different process. When I started out with Clutch, I listened to a wide range of samples through ACX, which is the Audible Book Exchange, where writers can connect with narrators and producers. Um, Caroline, the main character, is from the South, 
and has a pretty strong Southern accent. So I was looking for someone who could not only do a Southern accent, but could kind of do a range of different voices as well. Uh, there's also one handbag that she meets in here, the baguette, who happens to be a Frenchman that she meets while she is uh, working in Italy. And so there are a couple of scenes where it's some French is spoken. So I needed to make sure I had a narrator who could uh, speak French as well. And so using all those criteria, I was able to sort of narrow down a list of samples. And from there, Suzanne Barbetta just blew me away with her ability to capture not only the characters and their voices, but really a lot of the humor between Caroline and Mike. There's a lot of banter back and forth between them, and she got it. And when you listen to her, you almost felt like you were watching a play with two different people kind of going back and forth. Uh, for the starfish, it really was a matter of hearing in my head who these voices were and kind of connecting them with narrators who I had listened to their books myself and I was familiar with. Um, Tim and Kelsey, I mean, honestly, they got cast because they befriended me and I they were so talented. They were so fun. I felt like I could see Jace's swagger in Tim. And I knew that he would have him come across as being sort of this arrogant rock star, but who really had a heart of gold and was a big softie on the inside. And Kelsey is just so sweet and generous. And I just knew that Cammie, with her sweetness as well, it would come across perfectly. You mentioned that you listen to audiobooks as well. Is it within the romance genre or do you listen to different things across the board? I primarily listen to romance, but I have been trying to expand my horizons a bit. Um, I think recently there's been a call for more diversity in reading. And so I've been trying to become a more diverse reader. Um, right now, as I mentioned, I am listening to the Retta um, memoir. And right before that, I finished an audiobook called I Wish You All the Best. It's a YA novel and the main character is non-binary and it's the first book that I read with a non-binary character and it was really an, an important read for me. Um, the very beginning was like a real kick to the gut for me because the main character comes out to their parents as non-binary and the parents kick Ben out of the house and as a mom it just really tore me up. I can't imagine as a parent not loving my child for who they are and who they think they are and who they want to be and how they identify themselves. And so it was really, it was really hard for me in the beginning, um, but it was an interesting read and a great way to learn about an experience that I just don't personally have and to become more understanding. It was I think I've been a little bit spoiled with romance narration because we've got so many talented narrators or multicast books or dual point of views or single narrators who can do a wide range of voices. And while the narrator in this book, I think did a great job of capturing Ben's voice, um, the same voice was used throughout the book. And it was a little difficult for me to follow some of the dialogue scenes because I didn't really know who was talking. So for that reason, I probably would say that it might be a better book to read versus to listen to, but it was a, an important read and I'm glad that I read it. Well, that brings me to the different styles of narrating. Your books are done in dual, 
which means the heroine and the hero each get their own narrator based on gender from that perspective. But have you, do you like duets? Have you considered doing a duet for your books? I have considered a duet and I'm actually thinking about doing one for the next in the Starfish spinoff. So Clutch is a third person point of view book as is the Subway Girl. And so that has one narrator. I'd actually looked into doing a multicast for the Subway Girl. There's so many different characters that I would have loved to have maybe eight different people doing all these different voices, but it just became a logistically and financially a little too difficult for me. As we talked about, indie authors do kind of have to put all their eggs in the basket up front. It just wasn't feasible. Um, but I think Erin's done such an amazing job that she really is kind of like a, a multicast of one. That's true. But for the books that I've written that are dual point of view, I've only done dual narration. Uh, the next in the Starfish spinoff is about the prankster of the band Oliver and um, this woman that he meets named Rowan. And I have considered doing a, a duet narration for that one, kind of dipping my toe into those waters, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it, it's my favorite style of all the different for the narration, simply because it allows... I love good banter and when there's good banter and there's that interruptions or there's that, you know, tension as good as you are like an Aaron or any of the other narrators that are really, really great. It's still a little hard to interrupt yourself. And that's where you kind of get a little bit of the lost. I've gotten used to hearing more duets than dual or even single narration. But again, I, I, I have my favorite narrators and so they can basically read anything and I'll listen. I always find it so fascinating that um, that there are listeners who follow narrators and have more of a connection with narrators sometimes mm -hmm. than they do with authors. I just think that's fascinating that um, these very talented actors have created their own fan base. Yeah. In in this in this way, I just think it's it's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think it's what they're bringing to the table. And I've had moments where I've picked up a book and I just couldn't do it. It's, there's something about it, whether the author, it was just way too descriptive. The cadence wasn't in my head when I was reading it, was not working. You literally, there's, there was one time where I wanted to throw the book across the room and that usually does not happen. But in this case, there, that was gonna happen. So I put it down. But then I can always pick up that book in audio and depending on who the narrator is, but they can totally make that book a completely different experience. And so this is where I always say that the narrators can make or break a book very easily. And there's been times where I've listened to books simply because of the narrator is reading it. I love the stories and I love the author, but there's just, no, I couldn't sit there and read it. So I, someone else is reading it for me is great. Yeah, I absolutely understand. And I think it's amazing to, I mean, I think that writers would love the idea that the written word and what they've created is what carries the story. But in their, in audiobooks, it really is the narrator that's bringing that story to life in a way that the words on a page can't do on their, on its own. That's why casting is so critical and having the right character, the right voice is so important. Um, and I'm just, like I, I keep saying I'm so grateful, but it's true. I really am grateful that there are these talented people who are, be, are able to take something that I've come up with and make it their own and make it better. Comparing it to maybe like when you get an email or a text and the, it could be a little bit like, are they being sarcastic? 
are they being pissy? Are they angry? And you really can't tell. And sometimes it's your own emotions that are, and you know, trying to interpret what the written word is saying. And so sometimes that even happens with books. If you're not in the mood for a book, sometimes that you may not even know that you're not in the mood. And that's why I've, I've realized that sometimes those were my frustrations with it. I just wasn't in the mood for this book because I was reading it in a different tone because of where I was at. But someone else reads it to me. I'm not, I'm not interpreting it anymore. The narrator is, and they do a great job doing that. So I let them do it. <laughs> right. And you can fold your laundry at the same time. So it's a win-win. Yes, for sure. Exactly. That is true. I do like the multitasking. It is fun. So not putting you on the spot. If you could have anybody narrate your life, who would it be? Ooh, that is a tough question. Life is that interesting. <laughs> I think it would be a very boring book. I, I can't. I can't even. I don't even know where I would start with that because I don't. I don't know that anybody would want to listen to the story of my life anyway. I'm like I said. I've got a pretty, pretty boring lifestyle. I would be interesting to get that inner monologue of yours when the kid asks for another snack. <laughs> you know, it just depends on what I'm doing. And some days they ask for a snack and I think I'd be delighted to make you a snack. And other days I'm thinking I was right in the middle of something. I think I had mentioned to you that I was a couple of months ago when my daughters were in the midst of um, online distance learning and they were upstairs and I could hear them on their Zoom conference calls with their classes discussing something and I was in my office trying to write a particularly steamy scene and I could hear them upstairs and I just thought this is so awkward this is just not happening one of the things I like to do with my guests is play a little game it's it's I've been changing it up a bit since we're doing some things for patreon only um but this game was suggested from one of uh one of my friends in the audiobook world have you ever done the dream dinner party guest thing if you can have five people come over to your to your house for dinner Oh, boy. you would be number six. <laughs> so that's a perfect dinner party there, apparently. Oh, boy. This is something I probably would have need would really need to think about far in advance. This is very challenging. Can be. Oh, boy. I think that rather than have a dinner party with six people total, I'd rather have a one on one dinner with a few people in particular. So maybe I can answer it that yeah, way. Yeah, go ahead. It kind of, kind of goes back to my hall pass list idea, <laughs> that hall pass list concept. So if I could just have dinner with one person, it would be Jon Stewart. He is my, I just think he is an amazing. He's smart and funny and charming. And I think that he would have me laughing the entire night. And um, we could go right off to the sunset together and, and live happily ever after. From a fictional standpoint, uh, I would love to have dinner with Will Sumner from Christina Lauren's Beautiful Player. He is the book boyfriend by which all past, present, and future book boyfriends will forever be measured and will all, against him, fail miserably. He is, he is the perfect man. So I will have a real-life dinner one-on-one -on -one with Jon Stewart and with Will Sumner. And we don't need it. We don't need anybody else to bother us. No, you're good, right? That's a good combination there. <laughs> I like laughing. So it's always a good thing to have that humor with people, be able to. Absolutely. And I think um, that's one of the things that I love so much about my husband is that he had me laughing from the very beginning. And um, certain things in relationships change and fade and humor and being able to laugh and kind of laugh at life's absurdities. Those are the things that 
endure. And that's why that's so important to me. Before we go, why don't you let us know what's going on? I know that you just recently had a release that came out and it's coming out in audio, but do you have, are you working on anything else or what do you want to tell us about? Sure. Yes. Well, the subway girl just came out on Tuesday, uh, in paperback and ebook, it is exclusively available on Amazon. I know there are some people who don't like really to shop at big retailers, but for indie authors, unfortunately, um, that really is one of the best ways for us to sell books is by being exclusive through Amazon. So you don't have to feel like you're supporting a big behemoth. You can feel like you're supporting an indie author by going to Amazon and picking this up. Um, hopefully, like I said, in the next few weeks, it'll be available on um, Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as an audiobook. My hope is that sometime later this year or early next, I'll be releasing tentatively titled Jokes on You. It's a spinoff of Starfish which follows Prankster Oliver. And then the hope is to release another novella spinoff following Johnny, who was the band's drummer, who uh, at the, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but he was having some challenges in Starfish and he has overcome them. And now he's looking for his happily ever after. So I'm hopeful that his story will come next. And then once the Starfish sort of uh, novella spinoffs are complete, I may be revisiting some of the characters in the Subway Girl. That's my hope. There are a couple of friends of uh, Angie and Ryan's that people seem to be enjoying their friendships and their humor. And I think that they would all deserve their own stories. So that's the hope there. And then I have another book that I'm considering putting in audio, um, Links was released a couple of years ago. It's about a woman who bumps into her unrequited high school crush 15 years after high school, and he doesn't remember who she is. And it's what happens when they reconnect. And there's a lot of humor in this. It's low burn romance. Um, he's a professional golfer and she's a professional novelist. And it's a sweet story of how they kind of reconnect with one another. And so I am considering putting this into audio as well. And the novellas um, are also, you're considering doing them in audio, correct? Yes. Uh, Jokes on You will definitely be in audio. I'm not quite sure what will happen with links yet. I'm not quite sure who, who the right voices are for this. So we'll have to see. If you have any suggestions. We'll have to talk. <laughs> we'll have to talk. Or if anybody has any suggestions. So Charlotte is this sort of reformed uh, nerdy girl, uh, ugly duckling who's turned into a swan. and. Garrett is the sort of um, arrogant high school athlete that became a professional athlete, but is now has a possible career ending injury. And so if anybody has any suggestions on who they'd like to see cast in links, they are welcome to come drop in and visit me on Facebook. I have an author page and I have a fan page and you're welcome to come drop in there or visit me on Instagram, drop into my DMs and give me some suggestions. Great. I love listening and getting recommendations from fellow audible, um, audiobook listeners because it's sometimes it's just, you can kind of get stuck a little bit on your favorites. It's always nice to try something, someone new. I'd rather try someone new based on someone's trust, you know, in their opinion. But yeah, it's great. Now we have an exclusive audio snippet of The Subway Girl, written by Lisa Becker and narrated by Aaron Mallon. Yes! Ryan grinned at her smugly and clicked the computer mouse to load another video before shoveling a handful of buttery popcorn into his mouth. A piece fell on the ground and he reached to pick it up and place it in the now empty trash can. A voluptuous blonde appeared on the screen, 
Dressed in a low-cut tank top with heavy makeup, she was vamping it up for the camera. Angie watched Ryan's head rear back and his eyes bug out. Hi, Ryan, said the blonde vixen in a husky voice. I think the subway girl you're looking for is me. While some women wouldn't be caught dead taking the underground train, I don't mind going down. Ryan's jaw dropped open, a few kernels of unchewed popcorn still in his mouth. Angie threw her head back with a riotous laugh. Oh my God, that is hilarious, exclaimed Angie. Ryan regained his composure. I think we found her, he said flatly. Angie playfully slugged his arm. You can't be serious, she scoffed. You find that attractive? Hey, I may be a romantic, but I could still appreciate a pretty face. Angie shook her head in disbelief. She clicked to load the next video. Let's see the next one. She raised her eyebrow at him disapprovingly. The screen loaded to show an old woman who had to be at least 75. Her voice was shaky from age. If you're looking for a mature woman, I think I could be your subway girl. Why don't you give me a call? She smirked. Aha, the future Mrs. Carlson. Angie pointed her index finger in the air as if it were a true eureka moment. I think she already is, Mrs. Carlson. That looks remarkably like my grandmother, Ryan deadpanned. Angie leaned back her head and laughed again before clicking the mouse. A young chubby brunette said, blimey, oh, I there, Ryan, in a horrible fake cockney accent accompanied by off-screen giggles. It's me, your subway girl, call me, Nuff said, yeah. She erupted into laughter. Ryan looked down at his feet. Is that what people think, that this is all some sort of a joke, that I'm a joke? A lump caught in his throat at the thought of people mocking him and his belief in fate. He understood. It wasn't the first time someone had made fun of his romantic tendencies. If he had a dollar for every time Luke or Diego razzed him, he'd, well, he'd have a lot of money. But he'd use all that money to buy rounds of beer for them because they were his buddies. This seemed different, though. This wasn't friends ribbing one another good-naturedly. This, this bordered on cruel and had him questioning whether this whole endeavor had been a colossal mistake, adding another layer of pain and embarrassment on top of his breakup with Frankie. There are a lot of stupid people who will use the anonymity of the web to do and say things they normally wouldn't. I don't think you're a joke, Angie soothed. I just thought. He stood, looked out the window, and ran his hand through his hair. I just thought this was going to be my, you know, boombox moment. Boombox moment? Asked Angie. Yeah, you know, that classic moment when John Cusack waits outside Ioni Sky's house and lifts up his boombox, he explained. Angie continued to look at him blankly. Playing In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. You might as well be speaking a foreign language. I have no idea what you're talking about, she said with a hint of exasperation. Clearly exhausted from watching dozens upon dozens of video submissions without a break. It's from the movie Say Anything. It's an 80s romance classic, he said. You should definitely watch it. I will, but for now, we better keep watching these. We've got a girl to find. Buoyed by her resolve and encouragement, Ryan walked back to the desk and loaded the next video. Yeah, you're right. Though he wasn't entirely sure he would ever find that girl.
That was The Subway Girl by Lisa Becker and performed by Aaron Mallon. Now available in Kindle and paperback at Amazon.com. Coming soon to audio. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time to chat with me. This has been so much fun catching up with you. Thank you for being my guest. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I do have a website and people can sign up for um, an email newsletter there. I don't send things out very often. It's usually just new releases. So you won't get bombarded with anything monthly or weekly. So if you'd like to hear more about when I've got a new book coming out, anybody's feel free to go online and sign up for my mailing list. So you can find her links on this episode's post at Viviana Enchantress of Books. We have exciting news, listeners. The Audiobook Loving Podcast has a Patreon option. We hope you'll consider joining as a loving team member. Details can be found at patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. Patreons will receive early access to episodes as well as exclusive content like the This or That Game and additional goodies. Please visit patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. A heartfelt thank you and shout out to our Audiobook Loving Podcast patrons. Susie Vanderham, Michelle Sutton, Jim Kemp, Leanne Schwartz, Danny Johnson, Christine Cox, Jenny Johnson, Mendy Summers, Cindy Pittman, Jennifer Graham, and Christy Reese. Thank you so much for your continued support. I truly greatly appreciate every one of you ladies. Thank you. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.